Vice Media was once one of the hottest names in new media. They've just filed for bankruptcy protection ahead of a proposed deal to sell off to a consortium of lenders. It's an extraordinary collapse. Just a few years ago, they had a multi-billion dollar valuation as investors looked to this swashbuckling approach to news and the young audiences it was attracting. But of late, these groups have found it hard going. Last month, BuzzFeed cut its award-winning news operation and Vox is now laying off staff across its business. It's part what down to the competition coming from the traditional media groups, but it's also the tight grip that groups like Meta have on digital advertising. Benjamin Mullin, media reporter for the New York Times, gave us his reaction to the news. One of the really interesting things about Vice, to your point, is that it, it's had so many different lives. It started out as a punk magazine in Montreal um, and then sort of uh, uh, changed a little bit to become a, um, a digital media brand with a TV channel. And then um, I would say sort of like its most recent iteration is sort of this sprawling global company with offices all around the world. So it's really reinvented itself um, over the course of several decades. So what's happening is what's called a bankruptcy sale. So the company has filed for bankruptcy. Um, it's running a 363 process, which basically means um, the company has a stocking horse bidder. So a company has agreed to acquire Vice for $225 million, which is quite a haircut compared to its, at your point, $6 billion valuation. And that sale process um, is going to go on for the next 55 days or so. So if a bidder comes in and says, we actually think Vice is worth more than $225 million, that that initial bidder would be outbid. Chris Morris, I remember when, when Vice News came onto the scene. For me, it was probably Crimea in 2013-14, and they really did push the boundaries. They were sort of fearless in their reporting. Um, they were gun and run. They were on DSLR cameras. It brought, it brought this whole new way of approaching a, a subject and, and really challenged what we do. So why are they not successful? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, not, not just Vice. You mentioned BuzzFeed before. Similarly, they, if they just felt much more fresh than many of the traditional media that you and I were appearing on. It was, it was a new approach. It just felt different. I mean, for example, uh, Vice brought back the idea of, you know, longer form foreign coverage in, into TV news when it appeared to be going out of fashion. Why have they not been successful? I think you've already said it. It's, it just shows how hard it is to make progress in the world of digital publishing, where especially when you have the big tech companies creaming off all the advertising revenue. These companies tried different things. You heard that Vice kept reinventing in itself, but in the end, it simply wasn't making enough money to survive. This is it, Joel, isn't it? We're, we're at sort of saturation point at the moment with new media. And it's, I mean, even Elon Musk at Twitter is, is finding the same issue. How do you monetize what is a very successful product? I, I uh, remember back in the tech boom in the late 90s when all these companies were making money hand over fist or so we thought, and then overnight, poof, they, they disappeared and collapsed. And, and uh, it has a reminiscent feel to that right now where uh, the search for dollars, the search for converting eyeballs into cash uh, is still, uh, still uh, a goal that is, is very elusive. And, you know, of course, after the tech crash a few years later, Facebook and Google are, uh, come out of nowhere, they begin to grow, now they dominate the landscape. Uh, who knows what's gonna happen next? People love their media, love their social media, love their information, love gathering uh, the news from all different sources, but uh, it, it, it does seem like an incredibly difficult uh, space to make dollars in 
uh, and, uh, and we're going to be worse uh, off without Vice and without BuzzFeed and their kinds of integration of scoops and new media and, and real classic journalism. It's going to be a, a bit less, uh, less interesting to read the news for, for at least in the near term. Do you think, Chris, it's, I mean, you were formerly of this parish, so you know how we've sort of evolved and, and where traditional media organisations are going. I just wonder if, if they've caught up because we used to invite Vice News to meetings here and they would talk to us about what they do. But clearly the traditional broadcasters are evolving into the space that was occupied by new media. They are to some extent, yeah. And, you know, there, there's, I think it's harder to make money in journalism full stop. There's less money in journalism full stop. And that is partly because, you know, the, the social media revolution means that everyone can broadcast to anyone around the world simply by switching on their mobile phone. And so you've got to be pretty good to cut through the noise. There's so much information out there. And I think the danger is that the good stuff sometimes gets lost. Uh, definitely uh, those, those new companies like Vice a decade or so ago were offering something differently, but you're something different. But I think you're right that, that the bigger, more traditional, better funded organisations, whether it be the BBC here, the big networks in the US and so on, they moved on to that territory and they're, they're trying to experiment now with looking a bit more relevant to the way they think their audiences are developing. A view from David Folkenklick, he's the NPR media correspondent. We had a bit of a problem getting hold of you, David, but you're there now. Um, I don't know if you were listening in on a dis discussion, but, I mean, there is, a, there is a hope that the sale will give the company a new lease of life, but it seems to me it's going to have to be a very different company. Oh, it's going to certainly be a humbled one internally, and it's going to have a much smaller footprint. I mean, this was a company that had operated with uh, uh, braggadocio and real... Um, uh, uh, a kind of swagger, but also infused with just an enormous amount of money, as I'm sure your other guests have mentioned, from the likes of, of Disney, uh, of, of uh, James Murdoch, and separately of, of Fox Corp now, uh, and uh, of other major investors less well-known to your audience, but nonetheless, nonetheless certainly well-heeled. And without that money to just sort of experiment and try and spend uh, they're not going to be able to span the world in the way that they once were. They did very ambitious work. Uh, they were at once uh, deeply irresponsible in certain chapters of their existence, at the same time doing some wonderful reporting, intrepid uh, investigating of what happened uh, away from people's gaze. Uh, you know, you think back to the Charlottesville uh, riots, uh, uh, racist riots in, in Virginia, 2017, I believe it was, maybe a bit later. And, you know, they had reporters really going in uh, with those uh some of those figures in that movement to explain not only the hatred, but the organizing and the focus that was brought to bear to make that come to life. Uh, I have a lot that I admire about Vice, even as uh, yeah, they approach the world in a very different way than your, your news organization and mine. Yeah, no, I think all journalists uh, had a lot of admiration for them. But, you know, we were just saying that you've got Vice that have gone, BuzzFeed's gone, Vox are cutting, Paramount Media called time on MTV News. Don't we want these brands? And shouldn't we not be asking about about who controls digital advertising? I mean, can we just have digital advertising in the hands of Google and Meta, or do we need to find a better way to fund these organizations? Uh, I, I kind of want to check all of the above. Like, I, I, I don't feel there should be any, only any one path at the moment. The sad thing is, I don't think there's any clear-cut cookie-cutter path that, you know, a bunch of digital entrepreneurs can point to and say, ah, oh, we can make money doing high-quality news with an interesting voice in this way in the digital space. It's not clear to me. I mean, Vox, which was in some ways the least sexy of the bunch, is still 
you know, ambling along gently, but it's much more contained and restrained um, ambitions. Uh, they also acquired New York Magazine, which is both a print publication uh, and a brand, but also has, has a suite of uh, digital uh, verticals off that. But it's been much more tempered and careful with how it spent its money and how it's gone about things. And I think that's a, a lesson as well. But, you know, to think, uh, you know, Jill Abramson, the former New York Times uh, editor in chief or, or executive editor, wrote a book called Merchants of Truth, in which she chronicled both the rise of Vice and BuzzFeed, but also some older, the progress of some of our older mainstream news organizations. And it turns out the New York Times, her old shop, is more indispensable than those digital disruptors which promise to shake up the game and tell the New York Times how it should be played. Actually, New York Times has taken lessons from them, but you know it's now exceeded uh, 10 million paid digital uh, total subscribers, and it's focusing on 15, maybe 20 million ultimately in, in, in just yeah. a few years to come. So the funny thing is I want there to be all of the above. I'd love MTV News, which I remember from my youth to have survived, but I'm not saying any one brand has to endure. I just want there to be a, a vast choice for people to draw upon. Yeah, evolving into their space. That's the power of the big companies, isn't it? David Fokersley, good to talk to you always. Thank you very much.